District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman. I have two episodes dropping this week, one today, obviously, and one tomorrow that are very, very important. Today's episode is going to pertain to a development from the federal side with respect to the Biden administration allegedly settling with an anti-hunting, very radical environmental group known as the Center for Biological Diversity with respect to revoking the opening of upwards of 100 national wildlife refuges under the purview of the Fish and Wildlife Service to new hunting and fishing opportunities and what that means in terms of an assault on public lands. Tomorrow we're going to talk about crossover in the Virginia General Assembly, what conservation, energy, natural resources built, survived, died, and also a brief update on the nomination battle over Natural Resources Secretary nominee Andrew Wheeler, formerly the EPA Administrator under President Trump. So stay tuned, buckle up, and let me know what you think of this if these discussions are extremely important. But we have to cover this, and I'm compelled to do so. Here we go. Back in November, the Center for Biological Diversity, which is one of these very, very powerful, very, very wealthy environmental special interest group that openly states they're against hunting. You can see it through their advocacy. You could see it through the lawsuits they file. And in November of last year, on November 29th, they filed a lawsuit. And this is what the press release read like. I'll give you a synopsis. And then I'll trace it back to what the response has been, the potential settlement that they will have with the Biden administration under what is known as sue and settle We'll discuss what sue and settle is and how that practice is woefully abused by a lot of these environmentalists and their attorneys, how it keeps them getting funded in perpetuity and how they profit off of this while also undermining species conservation, restoration, and implementation of the Endangered Species Act and also hindering legal hunting and fishing in this case. Their press release reads like this. The Center for Biological Diversity sued the Fish and Wildlife Service today for failing to protect endangered wildlife harmed by expanded hunting and fishing opportunities on national wildlife refuges across the country. Today's lawsuit challenges the Biden administration's decision last year to expand hunting and fishing on 2.3 million acres across 147 wildlife refuges and national fish hatcheries. The suit explains that rare animals, including grizzly bears, jaguars, ocelots, and whooping cranes, are harmed by the use of toxic lead ammunition and tackle, increased traffic and noise, and other risks associated with the massive expansion of sport hunting and fishing. Now, I haven't seen any proof that any endangered species would be imperiled with the expansion of hunting and fishing on wildlife refuges, national fish hatcheries, and also the Biden administration's interior was touting a similar very historic amount of acreages expanded or hatcheries and wildlife refuges expanded to new fishing and hunting opportunities. But it's interesting they're only singling out the Trump administration's expansion. And the Sportsman's Alliance wrote this before I was able to receive word of what that potential settlement looks like. And I'll go more so into logistics. But yesterday on the 15th, Sportsman's Alliance posted this blog post. Biden administration negotiating with animal activists over public land hunting. An animal rights group and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service have announced settlement discussions over a lawsuit that could revoke hunting opportunities on nearly 100 national wildlife refuges nationwide, 
In December, CBD filed suit over the 2020 expansion of hunting and fishing opportunities on 2.2 million acres within the refuge system. The litigious group alleges that hunting on refuges threatens endangered species due to hunters trampling critical habitat through lead poisoning as a result of spent ammunition and because of grizzly bears being mistakenly shot by hunters, believing them to be black bears or in self-defense. The lawsuit seemed a long shot given the 1997 National Wildlife Refuge Improvement Act, landmark legislation drafted and pushed through Congress by the Sportsmen's Alliance, which ensured that hunting, fishing, and trapping would occur on any refuge where it is compatible. The historic law has opened millions of acres to hunting, as every presidential administration has since touted expansion of opportunities within the system. However, the surprise joint filing by the Biden administration and CBD asking for a delay in the court proceedings while the two sides conduct settlement talks sends an alarming message to hunting groups that are preparing to intervene in a lawsuit to ensure the rights of sportsmen are protected. Should the administration reach an agreement, CBD would likely not have to spend a single legal dollar, as these settlements often include payment of legal fees using taxpayer dollars. Worse, any settlement will likely include restrictions or revocation of hunting opportunities. A few short months ago, the Biden administration was touting the largest expansion of hunting and fishing in history on these lands, and now they're negotiating with animal rights activists over hunting opportunities while excluding sportsmen from having a seat at the table, said the president of Sportsmen's Alliance Foundation, Evan, which has been preparing to defend hunting on refuges in the case. It's no surprise that animal rights and anti-hunting groups want to stop hunting, but sportsmen shouldn't tolerate being shut out as the Biden administration negotiates away hunting opportunities on public land. If we want to borrow the rhetoric of a lot of conservationists, or actually preservationists masquerading as conservationists during the Trump years, this, by the sound of it, is what you call an assault on public lands. I have never heard of any revocation of hunting and fishing opportunities like this, except for national monument declarations, which can, as I've talked about, disproportionately take out people from hunting and fishing. But if this is to proceed, this is really an assault on public lands. And hunting associations, fishing associations, conservation groups should not be negotiating with the Biden administration to allow for 30-30 on these grounds. If this proceeds, no way they should be giving them an inch on 30-30, which would completely upend conservation in this country as one policy example. They've certainly put out a blueprint to try to try to say, we'll work with the Biden administration on 30 by 30. But if this proceeds, no way, do not negotiate. And I'm, I'm trying not to insert my personal opinion, but this would really imperil and discourage hunting and fishing in this country, especially because these public lands are the most accept- accessible for hunters and anglers, especially those who don't have lots of money to go hunt expensive trips out west or on uh, hunting lodges, things of that sort. But this is one of the most accessible ways to hunt and fish in this country. And if they concede, if the Biden administration, Interior Department, Fish and Wildlife Service concede on this respect, it's an attack on public hunting and public fishing, and it should not be let go. And again, even as an aside, no bending over to 30-30. It's a horrible policy in its own right. But if they agree to the aims of 3030 and they tolerate this, I have a lot of questions for these groups. Maybe they did it to say, let's let's get them off our backs so we could be at the negotiation table. But I don't see this administration listening to sportsmen and women. They love to give them a nod. I talked about how great it was that they distributed $1.5 billion back to state wildlife agencies, which happens regardless of administrations. That's great. 
But that message is going to fall on deaf ears if you see them say one thing publicly and doing things behind the scenes privately through suing and settle with groups that are wholly undermining, openly undermining true conservation in this country. What message are they sending by saying, yes, we appreciate the contributions of sportsmen and women, but oh, we're going to be conceding to these people because they're special interests and they, they back our party. The Center for Biological Diversity, as an aside, gives overwhelmingly to Democrats. No surprise that you see this. This document that I received from Sportsman's Alliance, and it is publicly available, and attorneys for the plaintiff, CBD, in the United States District Court for the District of Montana, Missoula Division, it is CBD, the plaintiff versus U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service defendants, and it is labeled the Joint Motion to Stay Proceedings. Plaintiff Center for Biological Diversity and Federal Defendants, the Fish and Wildlife Service, the Martha Williams in her official capacity as Principal Director of the Service, Department of Interior, and Deb Holland in her official capacity as Secretary of the Interior, hereby jointly request at this court to stay all deadlines in this matter until April 8th, 2022. The parties are engaged in settlement communications and believe settlement is possible and therefore request a joint stay of proceedings to engage in further discussions. A stay would conserve the parties and the court's resources and as within the court's discretion. Da -da -da -da. The parties will file a joint status report before the stay expires on April 1st, 2022 to update the court on the status of the party settlement discussions. At that time, the parties will either request an extension of the stay or propose amended case management deadlines. The stay would postpone three deadlines established by the court in its November 29th, 2021 case management order da, 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 to submit a promos case management plan by February 28th, 2022. This broadly encompasses and is a prime example of sue and settle and how problematic this policy is. And unfortunately, it is given license to by existing law called the Equal Access to Justice Act, which sounds great. Sounds like it's making things more accessible for the public to sue if they have any grievances with agencies and departments, but there's a catch to it. Under the Trump administration, there was actually efforts in the Environmental Protection Agency under the first administrator to essentially eliminate it or severely, severely lessen its influence. It was in 2017. I will link to that for you to learn more about. And they did a whole assessment on sue and settle as a practice and just the problems and set with it. Highly recommend you look into it. In Forbes, which I'm citing right now, and I'll link to in the show notes, one of the biggest complaints um, stemming from the Obama administration was the lack of respect for normal order in regulatory processes. The federal regulatory process is governed by the Administrative Procedures Act, a law that requires agencies to first post-propose regulations in the federal register and then put them through a public consultation process before making the regulations final. The point of this regimented process is to solicit input from the regulated industry and other industry parties and to seriously consider and factor in such input into the development of the final regulations. According to the Chamber of Commerce, and I've had my problems with them, but I think they have a great explanation about what sue and settle is from layman's terms. They, they describe this practice stemming from the Equal Access to Justice Act as sue and settle refers to when a federal agency agrees to a settlement agreement in a lawsuit from special interest groups 
to create priorities and rules outside of the normal rulemaking process. So what I explained is typically if you want to change, let's say, how many national wildlife refuges are open to the public, you have to submit a rule. That rule then goes into the federal registrar to which it is subjected to a comment period. It happens for most changes. And that has even been practiced under this administration, believe it or not, surprisingly, in most cases, you do see them do that. Unfortunately, to undo a lot of good rules that were put into place under the previous administration, but it seems like they're skirting it here. The Chamber of Commerce explains that the agency intentionally relinquishes statutory discretion by committing to timelines and priorities that are often realign agency duties. These settlement agreements are negotiated behind closed doors with no participation from the public or affected parties. So hunters and anglers can't chime in. They can't express their concerns with it. This happened often under the Obama administration. And I think under the EPA, according to the Chamber of Commerce, they said between 2009 and 2012, the EPA chose to not defend itself in over 60 lawsuits from special interest advocacy groups. These cases resulted in settlement agreements and EPA publishing more than 100 new regulations, including the Clean Power Plan. And as I had alluded to before, former EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt had issued a directive to end, sue, and settle. The directive and accompanying memo included new policies and procedures to increase transparency, public engagement, and accountability. Major changes include providing advance notice to the public of any notice of intent to sue or propose settlement agreement allowing the public to weigh in on proposed or modified consent decrees and settlements and to exclude attorney fees and litigation costs when settling with suing parties. And there's a whole report from May 2017 called Sue and Settle Updated Damage Done from 2013 to 2016. I will link in the show notes to that. Now, the Federal Forest Coalition, who we've had on the podcast before, has also similarly expressed concerns with it. You don't see this simply with hunting groups. You see this a lot with industry groups, and everyone thinks industry is a bad word. Not all industry is bad. I think their professions are sadly vilified, and these are smaller conglomerates. These are not big business groups. But the Federal Forest Coalition has said the Equal Access to Justice Act was designed to level the playing field in legal disputes between private citizens and the federal government. It allows for plaintiffs to recover attorney fees and other costs from the federal government when they prevail in a case against the government. Scholarly research and government reviews have found major problems with the law, with the Notre Dame Journal of Legislation finding that EAJA allows the routine evasion of a statutory cap on attorney's fees in a large number of cases. Two, abusive litigation engaged in by massive 501c3 organizations not subject to the caps. And three, incentive for the government to settle cost disputes, as well as the related ability to turn losing cases into fee reward cases by artful settlement. And this was stemming from the 112th Congress. We're now on the 117th. There's a Senate and a House bill. It is, I'm reading from Senate Bill 1247 to impose certain limitations on dissent, on consent decrees and settlement agreements by agencies that require the agencies to take regulatory action in accordance with the terms thereof and for other purposes. It was introduced by Senator Grassley of Iowa. It's also billed as previous iterations of the bill as the Sunshine for Regulatory Decrees and Settlements Act of 2021. And it goes into how they would reform consent decrees, settlement reforms, and all these other provisions that have been laid out. And back to the FFRC policy recommendations, what they would like to see, and I have to cross-reference and see if this, these federal bills would do that, 
they'd want to limit attorney fees to $125 an hour and set annual limits on the amount that can be awarded to any one entity. Institute limits on the net worth of eligible plaintiffs, including the legal team that represents individuals in cases unrelated to government benefits, reinstate the requirement for annual tracking and reporting on legal fees awarded to plaintiffs, and require, in the case of the Forest Servants, to document the acreage and potential board foot production lost to projects on which EAJA awards were made to plaintiffs. That's a crash course in the EAJA, sue and settlement, and I'm going to be doing some more digging into and reporting on this, but this isn't just exclusive to the EPA. Now that we're seeing this with the Department of Interior, it has started to creep into this, and this has been done before, but the potential revocation of public lands, increased access to public lands, should be a shot across the board to any conservationist, and it should put into question and bring about doubt in your mind to anyone who pushed and advocated for this administration, warning us and and assuaging our concerns that they're going to be great conservationists. And you see this, this capitulation potentially to this radical environmentalist group that despises hunting, rejects it as a conservation tool. Those people have to be called into question and perhaps not become trusted authorities anymore or have their authority status questioned with respect to that. But I wanted to break this down for you. You can read more about it in my forthcoming town hall column this Friday. I'm going to explain Sue and Settle, the EAJA, what this case potentially presents, if it were to proceed, why this is bad, and much more. So thank you for tuning into this episode, this explainer. If you want more on this, we like to dive deep into these complex subjects, but this crash course I think is needed. No one is going to discuss this. Much of the environmental and conservation media sadly does the bidding of this administration. I don't. Thanks for listening to this installment of District of Conservation. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. Make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, our highest listening platform, and also find us on Spotify, which is also a popular choice, and wherever podcasts are played. If you ever have any questions, thoughts, concerns, go leave some reviews for us in these respective podcast players, especially Apple. And let us know what you'd like to hear or who you'd like me to interview next. We have much, much more content ahead in 2022. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.